Up in the night, your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Hello and welcome to Freaky Friday Where we tell your odd but true stories Today is Friday, July 21st and we're so happy to be uh, coming to you. We're somewhere between New York and Washington, D.C. Because we have a show tomorrow night, at Mar- uh, July 22nd, in Washington, D.C. And we're very excited. It's almost sold out. It might be sold out by the time you hear this. It might be. And if not, then, you know, I assume every president that's ever been is going to show up. So yes. It's going to look like Disneyland, the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> They're all just in the back like, we love Sinisterhood. <laughs> Quite. Uh, well... Joke's on them, because I'm not allowing most of them in. Obama's allowed. <laughs> There's a couple you got beef with. That might be it. It might be Obama only. <laughs> and family. The, and family. Oh, yeah. Well, Michelle can always, she's always on the list, yeah. speaking of our lists. But, yeah, we will have, uh, it's one of those, we're recording this in advance so that there's no uh, no interruption in content for you all. But thinking now, we're going to have quite a trip ahead of us. So we're going to be driving through New York, Philly, Baltimore, on down to Washington. So there's lots of stops that we're going to be seeing. It's always fascinating to me to be up in that part of the country because in Texas, we could drive the same amount of hours and still be in Texas. So the fact that you go through like multiple states it's in crazy. a matter of like hours is very uh, different for us. Right. It's impressive to drive two hours and be from New York to Philly or from Philly to Baltimore. So, you know, depending on traffic, whereas here we leave Dallas and we're, we could still be in the woods in Texas mm-hmm. two hours later or six hours later, depending on what direction. So you're right. But we uh, the freakiness is uh, hopefully not going to be on display on our trip. I imagine it'll be a, you know, stopping to go to the bathroom road trip, standard road trip, as mm. it were. Something freaky usually always happens. So <laughs> that's true. Something Mostly, will probably happen along the way. And it usually happens because we'll see something on the side of the road and go, pull over, let's go do that. Mm-hmm. And that's where it comes from. That's where so. it comes from. But that is also I'm where hoping. all the fun stories at the live shows come from. So if you haven't got your tickets yet, sinisterhood.com slash live shows. And we hope to see you there. And then we've got Another leg of shows uh, about a month after these. So if you can't catch this round, check out to see where we're going to be next. Columbus. We're going to be in yeah Detroit, Michigan on August 15th. Columbus, Ohio, August 16th. And Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, August 17th. So uh, like Christy said, Sinisterhood.com slash live shows and see where we're at and where we're going to be at. And I've meet never us there. been to Pittsburgh. I'm stoked. And you know what? It kind of ties in distance wise to what is uh, where we're going to be, Pittsburgh, what we're going to be talking about at the end of today's episode. Yes, we do have a special guest that joined us for this ep- this uh, Freaky Friday. Pr- the professor is what we like to call him. So uh, <laughs> absolutely. It was a, a wonderful time speaking with him and something a little bit different with the spooky stories that I really think everyone's going to like. It was captivating and compelling so it's a different vibe it's um well we're excited we'll tell you all about it to set it up but first you have curated a lineup in advance here of uh four freaky stories for us to share with everybody else yeah the first two 
I'm just going to be honest. They're pretty heavy hitters and Mm -hmm. we'll just do a generic content warning for domestic violence and abuse. But I wanted to put both of them in here because we get so many of these. And as you'll see, people have really started to listen to other people's stories and reach out to say like, Hey, you weren't alone. And also this is helping me to heal. So I love that through pain and trauma, we're finding a place for people to heal and kind of share their stories with each other. And I think there's a lot of power in that. So I wanted all of these people that submitted these stories and anyone listening to get to hear kind of these back to back because I think they're both really powerful. You're right. And I think it shows us we're all more connected than we are apart because these, uh, these type of situations don't care where you're from, what you look like or who you live with. It can still happen. So we appreciate everybody that sent stories in before that have opened the door and, and led the way for these folks. Definitely. Yes. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Rachel, and it is called Same Trailer, Different Park. Hey, ladies, you guys have shown up on my Spotify wrapped every year since I started listening because I just can't stop listening. One year, Spotify even told me it was okay to invite y'all to my family Christmas dinner. Since I'm from Utah, you can bet we have funeral potatoes and green jello with whipped cream on top. At every big family dinner, you, of course, are always invited and welcome. I listen to your show every chance I have, especially late at night during my episodes of insomnia. You keep me company in the late slash early hours. I started from the beginning, the legendary episode 13, and have been listening through the Spotify show list in order. I've been laughing and crying and screaming with you at each and every episode. I love to hear Christy talk about her kids and pedal with the love and sass that only a rock star mom does. And every time Heather laughs that snickering, cackling laugh, I can't help but laugh along. I love how genuinely you care about the victims of these crimes and spooks and the respect you show for tough topics. This weekend, I was listening to the Freaky Friday episode where Emma from Australia was talking about her psycho sperm donor, what I call my own father, Bryce. I hope I spelled his name wrong, because what an asshole. She talks in her story about the emotional and financial abuse she and her family suffered due to this horrible predator. And I wanted to reach out and add to her sentiments that help is out there and you're not alone. Leave that bastard, take your kids, and let him suffer, ladies or dudes, if you're in an abusive relationship with a woman slash partner. Abuse affects all kinds. I also agree with her that this counts as a brush with true crime because y'all my mom could have been Susan Powell. So here's a brief rundown of my story. My dad was married and divorced once before he met my mom. No kids from that marriage that we know of. Thank God for those kids that never were. My parents met and married quickly after finding each other in a religious group while in college in Colorado. My mother was forced to quit college early is my dad demanded more and more of her emotional and physical attention, and she either had to drop out or be failed out. After they got married, we lived in every shitty apartment in town and in every unfinished basement of every friend and relative my parents had. My mom separated from my dad for a time, moving out here to Utah where her parents were located, a toddler aged me in tow. She should have stayed with them. 
Unfortunately, my mother is a classic victim of abuse and left and returned to my father multiple times before breaking free of him for good. We finally all ended up in Utah after my dad learned he could make more money in Utah than Colorado. It didn't work out for him, though. My mother tells truly horrific stories of having to work the welfare system, buying a fruit tray with food stamps, and then returning it for store credit to afford diapers. My father could never hold down a job for long and left our little household in financial crisis more often than not. So my mom decided to get her CNA certification and head to nursing school to support us. Around the time I was six, I made a friend with a little boy in our church congregation, and we became fast friends. My dad was at home while my mom was at work in school. This asshole, I kid you not, started having an affair with my best friend's mom and used our friendship as a tool to get together more often without seeming suspicious. As the oldest child of the mixed group of kids, I had to grow up fast, basically raising them while my dad and this woman did everything but watch us. In the midst of this, my mother got pregnant with my absolute favorite person, my little brother. I doted on him so lovingly that my mother often had to tell me, he already has a mom. And even though we're seven years apart, we are super duper close. Anyway, their affair lasted four agonizing years before my mother confronted my father about the situation. I shit you not. He told her that this other woman was the love of his life and that he wanted both this other woman and my mom to be in his life. Translation, he cheated on my mom and asked her to be a polygamist with him and my best friend's mom. I'm now an adult and I still can't even fathom what kind of douchebag my father really was. Who in their right mind would ask this? Hey, I know I've been sleeping with this other woman in our bed and making our nine-year-old daughter babysit six kids while we fuck, but I don't want to lose you. So let's be polygamous. OMG, barf in my mouth every time I think about it. My mom had finally had enough. A few days later, just as I was finishing out my fourth grade school year, we got in my grandpa's car with only the clothes we were wearing and moved into their basement. My brother was still just a baby, and I was barely old enough to understand what was going on. To make matters even worse, this other woman became pregnant. I was often told that this new baby was the child he'd been waiting for all his life and was even forced to give up my own Christmas presents multiple years in a row for this baby and its siblings, since my father cared more about them having presents than me and my brother. As a caring person, he took advantage of my desire to do something good and loving for others, and revealed my gifts to me, ruining Santa forever, and out of the 10 or 12, told me I could keep two. This is only a percentage of the horrors he brought about in our family. Worst of all, in a paternity test demanded by this other woman's husband for his divorce case, it was revealed that this baby that took priority over me and my brother wasn't even my father's kid. Even more devastating, my best friend went into mental health crisis at 10 years old and never really recovered. I've watched with a breaking heart as he has lost more and more of himself on social media until I stopped hearing from him at all. I hope he's found peace and is living away from his mom and her chaotic drama. And because cheaters cheat, and it's only fun when it's a secret, my dad and this other woman weren't together long after their respective divorces before they became bitter enemies, often accusing each other of cheating and unable to trust each other. 
As I grew up, I would look back ever so often and realize what had really been going on. My father had coerced my mother into a physical relationship before she was ready and held that over her head, making her feel like she had to marry him since no other man would want her anymore. He had many affairs throughout their marriage, often leaving her at home with no heat, no food, and an infant baby me to fend for herself without a phone or any neighbors she could rely on. He often verbally and emotionally abused my mother and would do anything mean to her except strike her. After she left Colorado the first time, he hooked up with his ex-wife, not even missing a beat while my mom was gone. When we came back, he pretended like nothing had happened. And once we moved permanently to Utah, he got into Tupperware, Melaleuca, Creative Memories scrapbooking, and any other MLM mommy group he could to meet other moms that he could prey on. And pray he did. Looking back, I realize now why I didn't have many friends growing up. My father is 1,000% a pedophile. And if I had a kid that had me as a friend and met my dad even once, I would never allow my child to play with me. Sad for me, but good for those moms and dads who kept their children far, far away from him. My little brother escaped the traumas of losing a father as a young child, but suffered the effects of not having a father as a teenager and young adult. I, on the other hand, have had to have years and years of therapy and restructuring of how I thought things were. I have resulting disorders and PTSD that I'll likely struggle with all my life. In the neighborhood where everything happened, there are still people from our church congregation that say it was my fault that my dad cheated on my mom. I've gotten over it since then, but the scars left from the years that I believed them will never go away. As I became an adult and the girls my dad was trying to date never got older, it got creepier and creepier until one girlfriend parked her car outside of his apartment and a gleaming 2011 graduation keychain hung from her rearview mirror. Horrifically, she was parked right next to me, where a similar keychain showing 2012 hung from my mirror. It's disgusting to think that someone my age was in a relationship with my father, and that the relationship was most likely just as predatory as we're all thinking it was. There is so much more to this that is just as horrifying, but for now, this will suffice to show my solidarity. These sick fuckers are everywhere, I swear, and they tear families apart and scar young kids for life. My heart goes out to Emma, her younger brother, her mother, and anyone else out there who has had to suffer like this. I went no contact with my father shortly after I started dating my now husband, who only doesn't murder my dad because he would go to jail and he would miss me too much. I cried at our wedding when my DJ played Piece by Piece by Kelly Clarkson, perfectly encapsulating the way I felt about my husband and about leaving my father in the rearview mirror. Despite everything she suffered, my mother is literally a majestic, magical unicorn that spreads love, sunshine, and rainbows wherever she goes. She is everyone's mom, everyone's friend, and continues to believe that there is good in everyone. She forgives easily, loves freely, and welcomes all to her island of misfit toys. She has her master's degree in nursing and spreads her love of teaching others as a nurse at a local hospital. She is also a listener of your show. And we often talk about how lucky we are that we aren't another homicide-suicide headline to be talked about on a true crime podcast. We're happy to just be listeners. 
Thanks so much for all you do. Love you lots. Someday I'll get the announcement for a live show near me in time to actually get tickets. Keep it creepy, Rachel. Rachel, thank you for writing in and thank you to your mom, who's also a listener, for letting you share this story and how it affected you both. It's having worked with people that have been abused before, well, both of us in different capacities, you know, the traditional trope that is, you know, you see on TV or whatever, it often is physical abuse. But things like this of control of finances, control of emotions, infidelity, that's, you know, basically you're yeah. forced to accept it. All of that is is also very abusive and often, you know, leads to health problems. And just because it's, it's still just as insidious, I think, oh, yeah. as physical abuse in some ways. And yeah. in some ways, more, because like she yeah. said, the scars from the emotional damage that these people did to her, those will always be there. You know I mean? Yeah. And kudos to you for going through the therapy and work you need to do to get to where you are today, because that is no easy feat. It's very hard to confront all of those years of trauma that no kid should ever, ever, ever have to go through. No kid should have to be treated like this be worried their dad is going to try and sleep with their friends, moms or their friends. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. People like that should not be allowed to have kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad that out of him came you, Rachel, because you seem like a light in the dark. That's taken so much hurt and turned it into a way to help others. And you've just done so much work on yourself too. And that's, very admirable. It's very commendable. And to hear Rachel describe her mom, you know, she's a nurse. She's, you know, got her master's in nursing now and teaches. And when you have, I mean, nurses are already, it's a very caring profession, but it's in a, such an emotionally draining profession too, because it does require I me. Mean, you genuinely do care about all your oh, patients, yeah. but to still have that capacity to love and care and serve and teach is just a testament to how resilient Rachel's mom's soul is that you still have, having gone through all of that, that you went through, that you still have it in you, not just to survive, but to go out and help people and, and try to thrive people and, and str- thrive and help other people thrive and get other, you know, cause you feel that I feel like Paris, I was talking to Paris and he's just like, I just really, I like to spread positivity. Like I just, I feel like so blessed. I like to spread it to other people. And what you don't realize is when you do that, then, then other people, they feel blessed and then they start spreading it. It sounds cheesy, but you know, when you just feel like happy and joyful and in this, it's not a, everything's happy, but it, at least like almost grateful for life. Like I'm grateful I'm here. I worked hard to be here as a teacher, as a having my master's degree and, and to spread that to other people. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. And it's a hard thing to have had to go through on the front end though. While caring for two children and keeping them safe as well. Right. So thank you so much, Rachel and Emma for, you know, y'all stories inspired one another. And, um, I imagine that this is going to inspire lots of other people. And I also would like to say uh, DM us your address because next time we're there, we'll definitely stop by for a family dinner. I'll take some funeral potatoes any day of the week. Come on. Give me some of that Mm jello. Thank you for the invite. I love a nice home cooked meal, especially when it's like good, like gathering food, you know, hearty. Yeah. Yeah, It's like a hearty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We need a family dinner. Yes. Yes. A Utah family dinner. I'll I'll eat that. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. Well, this next one's from Kim, and it is called "It's Coming from Inside the House." 
Hi, ladies. I'm a relatively new listener. My partner would listen to your episodes while cooking, and I kept getting invested. And now I'm always beating her to the newest episodes. We were also at your sold-out L.A. show. So excited to be a part of Sinisterhood history. Despite the creepy and sometimes heavy topics, you two are such a comfort listen for me. Before I begin my story, I want to provide a trigger warning for domestic abuse, but it comes with a happy ending. This is my brush with true crime story of what it was like to grow up in an abusive home, the abridged version. I won't get into specific detail because I know firsthand how triggering it can be, but I grew up in a physically, verbally, and emotionally abusive home. It wasn't until my late 20s, after years of therapy, I had the language to help describe and understand what I'd been through and how it still affects me today. I wish I could say only one of my parents were the perpetrators, but I drew the lucky straw of having both of them be my first, but only, bullies. As a child, I knew the way my father treated my mom was not okay, and I was always scared for her and tried to protect her. But then they'd make up and I'd become the problem for picking a side. My parents convinced me I was a bad person. When I made friends at school or work, I'd be afraid of them meeting my parents and learning that I was a bad person. Thank you, therapy, for changing that. The story I want to share is one that still haunts me. It was when my dad learned my mom was seeing someone. I was about 18 or 19 and had gotten frantic calls from my family. I was able to gather that my dad found out and had somehow learned where the man my mom was seeing worked and showed up there to threaten him to stay away with a gun. Then he had shown up at my mom's place of employment to do the same thing. Thankfully, he couldn't get to her because the facility is secured and only accessible to employees. He fled before they could call the cops. The calls I received were because my mom was truly terrified he would kill her. I rushed home to meet my mom, and we ran on foot as far as we could from the house. But then my mom said she had to go back. She couldn't leave my youngest brother with him. He was around five at the time. So we went back. My dad had made it near impossible to get back into the house. He had nailed the front door shut and changed the code to the garage opener. But I was a teenager who snuck out, so I knew how to get in from my bedroom window. And of course, he was waiting for us. The rest of the night was the scariest night of my life. My mom, broken by her terror, had become despondent and the older of my two brothers and I stood in the way of our dad so he couldn't touch her. Around 6 a.m., I was finally able to get away and call 911, but my mother refused help and to press charges, so they left, and my dad kicked me out for helping her. Over time, things went back to being as normal as they can be, but I lived with this fear of being too far away and not being able to be there in the event this happened again. Even though I know my mom's cruelty and anger stems from her own pain, I knew I couldn't be around them anymore if I ever wanted to truly heal and have a life of my own. So I stayed away as much as possible, but not too far, just in case. Fast forward to now in my 30s. My mom left my dad and lives with her boyfriend in a home they bought, but she hasn't changed much and my dad makes a habit of trying to still control her in any way he can. I've gone no contact with both of them. And it's thanks to years of therapy, the kindness of medical professionals, the love of my found family, and committing to the hard work of healing, I have found safety and happiness I never thought possible. 
On top of going no contact, I put a large amount of physical distance between us by moving across the country to California to start fresh, which has always been a big dream of mine. My partner and I have built the happy and safe home I've always wanted. No matter how bad the day, I know when I walk through the door, the heaviness will become so much lighter and that there will be laughter, love, and four adorable fur babies to welcome me home. The hold my parents' opinion had of me has greatly loosened. Thanks to my therapist, whenever I forget, I remind myself that I am compassionate, creative, and wonderful. I wanted to share my story as a way to let other know that you can heal from some truly dark experiences and find joy. So many domestic abuse victims are out there feeling like they're fighting alone, and I know what that's like. The work isn't easy, but it's not impossible, so please don't give up. Know that this stranger loves you and is cheering you on. I realize this is pretty heavy stuff, so no hard feelings whatsoever if this doesn't get read on the show. Thank you for taking the time to read my story, period. All my love, Kim. P.S. I don't have any evidence to share, but I will attach pictures of our adorable fur babies. Oh, Kim. And they are very sweet doggies and kitties. I showed them all to Ella, and she goes, I want that one. And I said, these are not <laughs> for, for, not adoption. for adoption. <laughs> these belong no. to someone else. But also... The evidence is your word. Oh, certainly, yeah. That's that is your evidence. You don't you... need pictures of what you went through for us to believe you. Certainly, because uh, again, no child should ever, ever, ever have to endure this, and not just from one parent, but two. And obviously, clearly, your mother was very much a victim. But like you said, for you to emotionally heal, you got to get away. From both of them, and you can't heal somebody else. That's your yeah. mother's journey. And you and your brothers should never have been put in a situation where you felt like you had to protect one of your parents. That's not the job of a kid. No, and that's such a heavy and huge job of a kid. Because, yes. And especially thinking, okay, well, I see an injustice here. Let me stand up for the person I think is right. And then to be punished later yeah. for taking a side is just such a – It's it's. And I mean, punished by the right, very person – you were trying to protect and you, I think because you're obviously have done so much therapy and working on yourself that you are able to see this was from her own trauma and pain, but that still doesn't make it okay. It might right, make yeah. it a little more digestible as far as like being able to heal yourself. But regardless of what an adult is going through, that's not something they need to put on their, their kid. And they, you know, even though your abusive husband is saying, well, clearly she's the problem for, you know, those same words to come out of the very parent you were trying to protect is just, it's something that is really hard for me to ever um, forgive, I guess, from another, yeah. I mean, and you know, I'm not the one that needs to forgive this person. So that doesn't matter. But all that to say, the work you've also done, just like Rachel in therapy, just from reading how you write about this now is so evident that you have both come so far in your journeys of healing. Yeah, and I love the way that Kim said it's, you know, it's not easy, but it's not impossible. So yeah. there is a, a way to get to that point. And what you said, you know, about having that feeling of a the, diff the difficulty when you have an abused parent who's also abusive, it's like, it doesn't absolve them of it, but it may make it a little bit easier to go, well, I clearly as the kid, 
I wasn't doing anything wrong. I'm right. not a bad kid. You know, they were all doing these things for their own shit and to get past that. And the beautiful side, the beautiful image I have of, you know, this safe and warm mm-hmm. and happy home that, you know, you can be welcomed home when you come in and you may have had a bad day and, you know, your partner may have had a bad day, but that y'all can say, we're leaving all that behind because here it's safe and you can be who you are and, and express what you want to express and not have fear of having somebody turn on you. So mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing that, that you guys have built together. And like Christy said, good on y'all, both Kim and Rachel, you know, for doing that work and uh, continuing to do it. Cause it's not, you never get to a place and say, okay, well now I'm done. Right. I mean, it's just always, it's like the reason why you meditate every day. It's the reason why you keep, you know, some go people to go, by, go to therapy Pray, all the time. Whatever it is you, you do. Exactly. Cause it's not something that we don't wash, you know, we don't clean our dishes once and go, well, the dishes are clean. It's like, we're going to eat on them. They're going to get dirty. Shit's going to come up. You will clean them again. And it's just, and knowing that that's, you're willing to put that work in because the, when it is all nice and cozy, it's all worth it. So. And to the point of, when you have a hard day going home to a safe place, knowing that even if you both had terrible days, you're not going to scream and yell and hit each other and taking out on each other. It's you can have bad days and have it still be healthy at home. Right. And still have, yeah, exactly. Feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and safe at home. So, well, I appreciate both of Kim and Rachel sharing something that is so personal and something is, you know, being worried about your little brother's safety. And that's just a day that will never leave you. Mm -hmm. But you're exactly right, Christy, the fact that you can look back on it and write about it in sort of a, you know, a a different perspective. I think you're it shows you it's something that impacted you. And it was part of your story. But it doesn't define who you are. And it's not going to take over your whole life. And it's a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And I hope that others that might be in similar situations can that this maybe speaks to you and and helps you in a way yeah and at the very least like kim said this stranger note loves you and is cheering you on so do we and so are we yeah absolutely sinisterhood we'll be right back all right well this next one is from jen and we're switching gears here uh away from brushes with true crime and more into the paranormal although there is some possible crime in this one jen writes her subject line is the house that hell wanted back hey ladies longtime listener first time caller after listening to the last couple of freaky fridays about back roads and abandoned buildings it piqued my memory about the house that hell wanted back so let's get into it to start i live up in canada southern alberta to be specific one summer over a decade ago I was in a neighboring city about two hours from home visiting my sister. We got bored one day, and she asked me if I wanted to go check out this old house that her hubby was obsessed with and was joking about buying. So I agreed, like an idiot. They had already gone to see it once before, and my sister kept talking about how it felt super creepy and how it was absolutely haunted. Mm Mm-hmm. Famous last words for this chicken shit. For context, this house was on the side of a coulee, steep hill, surrounded on all sides and concealed by brush, smack dab in the middle of the city. It had been vacant for God only knows how long, and had been listed for sale for years already, though no one had ever put in an offer, not even for the land. Red flag number one. The property had an older house, garage, and a couple of sheds slash outbuildings. Nothing too special, Though the property itself had its own postal code, you know, zip code, and it was the only place in the whole city with that specific postal code. Creepy, but kind of neat, I suppose. 
There was supposed to be only one access point, which was a rusty old gate on a steep, windy road that was padlocked. The sign on the gate said 521 Hill Road in these creepy, rusty, old numbers that looked oddly bloody on first glance. Red flag number two. And cue the intense music. So, to access this property without going through the gate that looked like it hadn't been touched in years, you'd have to go down to the bottom of the hill, park on a dead-end street, and hoof it up to a set of rickety wood stairs to the back of the property. If I wasn't freaked out already, I sure was now. How the hell did I get convinced into doing all this? When we parked, I had a pit in my stomach. And when we were halfway up the stairs, my gut and brain were screaming, Turn around! But, like idiots, we kept going. When we got up the stairs to the property, it was eerily quiet and chilly, which was odd considering it was 34 degrees Celsius, mid-90s in Fahrenheit, and the middle of the summer, and right next to a busy road and just up from another busy area. Everything was in absolute disarray, and you could tell that the property had been vandalized a time or two. My sister decided we'd head into the house first and check it out, and I reluctantly agreed. I can't even describe how it felt to be in there. It was dark, it was creepy, and it just felt really off. Like there was a dark presence there, and it didn't want us to be there. Some odd features of the house? Well, for starters, the layout was super strange and confusing, almost like you were meant to get turned around constantly. It had prison bars inside the dining room leading out to the living room, and the fridge poked halfway into the living room. It also had an alligator pit. Seriously, an alligator pit. In southern Alberta. What the fuck? The whole place was just super eerie and felt wrong. I was freaked out completely, and after a few minutes, even my sister was like, all right, I've had enough. Should we go? I don't know how to explain it, but the whole property just gave off really sinister vibes, and I think we both freaked ourselves out enough, so we booked it out of the house and ran down those stairs back to the car. I was never happier to get back to the car and get the hell away from that place. Both my sister and I agreed that the place felt evil and that we'd never step foot on that property again. Once we got back to her place, she showed me the photos that they had taken when they were there a week prior, and I almost died. I can confirm that they aren't edited either, as I saw the originals and checked to make sure there was no fuckery. In an odd turn of events, shortly thereafter, the house completely burned down. The official cause was never determined as far as I know. It was probably arson, though I remain convinced that hell wanted its house back, and I tell everyone as much. In the ensuing years, the other buildings have burned down at various times, mostly due to suspected vandalism or arson. But the old rusty gate on the hill still remains and gives me chills every time I have to drive by it. And yes, my brother-in-law still talks about how he should have bought it when he had the chance. I've attached some photos from the week prior when my sister and her hubby went to the Hill House, as well as a newspaper archive link about the original house fire shortly after we were there. Check out the photo in the living room of the fireplace and mantle and tell me what you see. Do you see the face of a long-haired girl? Super creepy. Thanks for getting me through countless mundane drives to and from work, for all the effort y'all put in to make this pod happen, and for giving us this outlet to get our freaky stories out. Y'all feel like my distant friends from Texas, so if you ever find yourself up in the western side of the Great White North, let's grab a double-double and catch up. Maybe next time I'll send you the story of finding the homemade bomb in the woods. Much love from Canada, and keep on keeping it creepy. Well, if Jen has included some images, first of all... 
if ever there was a house that hell wanted back, this sure looks like one. <laughs> Certainly. The 521 in the <laughs> chipped off bloody letters. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Even like the font and mm-hmm. it's it, everything about it. It's that, uh, what's that video game Tommy used to play? Not Silent Hill, but this does have a very Silent Hill vibe to it. Yes, it's very creepy. And if you were making a film about a creepy house, <laughs> it, you, I mean, you wouldn't even think that's so good. You couldn't even make a fake one that looks this good. No, good. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, uh, we'll we'll post a lot of these pictures on the social. There's all the windows, if they're not shattered or, or boarded up, everything just looks dilapidated. The picture of the fireplace with the mantle, there does, it, yeah, it's, it looks like a girl with hair. I think it could be like pareidolia oh, yeah. or something is there. Who knows? Yeah, it's definitely like a stain or a burn or something that, you know, sometimes, it's, you know, you see uh, Elvis on a piece of toast mm-hmm. or the Mother Teresa on grilled cheese. It's like that. It's like some sort of stain or burn. But I could see how you make out like the hair and face mm-hmm. of like a girl. And yeah, the bars on the window between the sections. The, all that the to say, ladder down into no. <laughs> what looks like a grave. I don't know. What is that? Like a is bomb gator, shelter? I think is that's that the gator pit? pit? Yeah, that's the gator pit. Wait, so... How do you even know that this was legitimately a gator pit? Is this really what someone would use that for? That appears to be what a gator pit is. Is yeah, this it's a, a thing that people just have? I'm going to put uh, install gator pit at home. Surely. I mean. How to install a gator pit. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's DIY if you wanted to. That's It shouldn't be. That should be <laughs> something that you got oh, hang on a minute. come do. I think these might be referring to a brand of uh, grills called Gators. So never mind. Okay. Well, that's a gator I'll have in my backyard. <laughs> this one looks like it's meant for like an eight foot long animal, not a grill. And it's Honestly, underground. <laughs> yeah, like a smoker. No, you're right, though. That is, I mean, Jen, Jen, all that to say, Jen did not oversell this house. No, it it's fucked up. Top to bottom. It's real fucked, fucked up. up. Yeah, I imagine that there's a lot of. High school kids that like to break in and do weird shit in here. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, hide things or fuck around, set stuff on fire. The Gator Pit. Well, I'll definitely include all of these on our <laughs> social medias because it is creepy as yeah, hell. Yeah, I can't even really make out what some of the rooms are. They're so, like, bizarrely, there's, I don't know. There's, like, weird cabinets and steps and stuff that are, I don't know what it means. Yeah, it's very, like, dilapidated. There's, like, weird openings, like, in brick that you wouldn't expect there to be, like, a small door. You know, it looked like it would be a brick wall, but mm-hmm. there's, like, a cubby in it somehow. My big question is, why is his brother-in-law trying I to buy I was just about to say, nobody missed an opportunity here. Do you know how, I mean, you can't, I, I don't imagine, save any of this. You could buy the land, level it, and start over. Then you're going to have a real poltergeist situation on your hands. Yeah, you need to just bulldoze the whole place, and then all that's left is just dirt and a gator pit and start over. (laughs) And then you let the gators have it. (laughs) I think that's the only uh, answer. Yeah, you're right, Christy. Nobody, they they didn't miss out. Leave that house there. (laughs) I feel like this would have been 
a legitimate money, not an, just an alligator pit, a huge money pit, just <laughs> sink money into this to try and restore it, only to be told, no, nah, this, all this has got to come down. <laughs> it's got to come down. We mm-hmm. can't keep this. Well, yes, Jen, we, well, thank you, first of all, for sending this in and for all of the many photos. But yes, please uh, send in a story about finding a homemade bomb uh, in the woods. Yeah. Absolutely. I would want to hear that. That sounds wild. <laughs> 100%. Please send that in. Sinisterhood, we'll be right back. Well, this next one is from Adriana, and the subject line is, A Ghost with a Shoe Fetish. Hi, Christy and Heather. I'm a longtime listener and lover of your podcast. Thank you guys for always keeping me company and entertained throughout my day. About 10 years ago, I was a freshman in college, and I was living in a dorm on campus with a roommate. By October, I had settled into college life and was in a friend's dorm down the hall from mine enjoying some late-night Chinese food when my roommate blurted out of nowhere, I saw a ghost in our room. I almost spit out my sesame chicken. After interrogating her to no end, she finally revealed to me that this happened a few days before while I was in class and she was alone at her desk studying. She said it suddenly felt like there was something in the room with her, behind her. She turned around, and through our mirror, she could see straight to my side of the room, where she saw a disembodied foot slip on my flip-flops I had carelessly thrown on the floor by the foot of my bed. I felt a hot, sinking feeling. Why the hell would a ghost want to put my shoes on? What kind of foot was it? I asked her. Was it a man's foot? Was it hairy? I remember asking, how are you just telling me this now? She explained that even though her family was super religious, the women in her family have always been very sensitive to seeing the paranormal. She was afraid of how I would take the news and didn't want to scare me. Well, that was all I needed to hear. I had always been fascinated with the paranormal. In fact, I'd spent the previous summer binging countless episodes of Ghost Hunters on sci-fi. Plumbers by day, ghost hunters by night. So obviously that made me a ghost hunting expert too. I convinced my friends that we could communicate with this spirit by using a flashlight, just like in Ghost Hunters. In the show, they use a twistable flashlight to ask ghosts yes or no questions. The idea is to place a flashlight on a flat surface and have the flashlight twisted to the off setting, but close enough so it would only take slight energy for it to be twisted to the on setting, thus making it easier for the ghost to turn it on for yes and off for no. We gathered in my dorm room that night, and while everyone was getting comfortable for the show of a lifetime, I played around with the flashlight. I turned it just so it was off. I placed it on one of our nightstands away from everyone. I smacked the nightstand next to the flashlight a few times to make sure it wouldn't flicker and that it was completely off, which it was. Everyone sat in the floor and formed a circle. I turned off the only light in the room, a floor lamp, before joining them in the circle. As soon as I clicked the floor lamp, the flashlight on the other side of the room started flashing on and off, on and off, again and again and again. Everyone started to get freaked out, myself included. I don't know why, but I got pretty brave, probably all the ghost hunting training, and I asked calmly for the flashlight to be turned off. As soon as I said that, the flashlight turned off and stayed off. Everyone started freaking out even more, I went into a spiel explaining to the ghost or entity or whatever it was that they could turn it on for yes and leave it off for no. The flashlight remained off this whole time. First, I asked, are you a ghost? As soon as I asked this, the flashlight turned on. And when I say turned on, I mean it turned on and stayed on. It never flickered. 
Everyone in the room was screaming at this point. After some time, we were able to calm down slightly, ask for it to please turn the flashlight off. And sure enough, it turned off. I couldn't believe it. I was actually communicating with the ghost. So many questions I wanted to ask swirled in my head. However, I landed on asking, did you put your foot in my shoe? The flashlight immediately turned on and stayed on as if to say a very strong yes. Everyone jumped about 10 feet in the air and ran out of the room screaming. My roommate and I stood there with our mouths hanging wide open with the flashlight still on. Safe to say we did not sleep that night or any night for the next few days. We lived there our whole freshman year and never experienced anything out of the ordinary. My roommate and I agreed that we felt it was a benevolent ghost that just really liked shoes. I would always leave a pair of shoes out for our shoe-loving ghost, alternating from boots to heels to sneakers and everything in between. I bet that ghost would have loved Heather's Margaritaville Crocs. Keep it creepy. Love, Adriana. I love that Adriana was like, I'm going to give variety. You might not always want to flip-flop. It might. It's not always summer. Sometimes you need a boot. Sometimes you need a heel. Maybe you're going out to the club. For sure. It's like generous the most generous creative way to deal with this of like it's a ghost yes it put my shoes on but it doesn't seem whack and so like it doesn't seem like it's gonna get us and so also if i have 10 pairs of shoes or five pairs of shoes or even two there's always at least one you're not using and what yeah. a generous thing to be like i'll leave it out for you buddy here's here, some. Here, there you go <laughs> i love this this is very something i would have done in college or yeah. younger or still honestly <laughs> and um we kind of had a similar I was gonna say, incident recently Adriana, on the live Q&A, Heather and I did. I just want to really take a minute <laughs> and say, Adriana, I know exactly how you feel when you feel that the person that you shared your life with, that you loved and trusted, that you thought that you could rely on them to be honest with you and tell you when ghoulish things happen, they just spring on you that, I don't know, maybe I saw a ghost <laughs> or the Fresno Nightcrawler in the backyard and you were there and I didn't even say anything. Yes, that happened. If you all did not catch the July or was that, I don't even know which Q&A, it was the July Q&A yeah. last, last week or this week, um, you can watch the replay on Patreon. Someone asked what our Freaky Friday stories were and Christy begun to share <laughs> and was like, anyway, also in the backyard, I was like, what? And I had not heard this and it was a similar thing where she just blurted out and was like i think i saw a ghost while we were hanging out outside at my house (laughs) some things have been happening around the house tommy says he didn't feel it or he goes i thought our last last house was weirder than this one i go what happened at our last house you didn't (laughs) tell me about and he's like nothing i never like saw anything it was just older so it just had a weirder feeling i was like okay i mean i guess (laughs) (laughs) but yes i i i I said the other day, I feel like something's going on. And you were like, yeah, there's an oppressive feeling in the podcast studio. But then we determined it's just because Heather doesn't like my Jack Nicholson bookends. It's not even that I don't. It's not even that I don't like them because you're entitled to your taste. It's that I'm terrified of them. <laughs> they're and Tommy's, I think that, to be fair. <laughs> the, Tommy's entitled to his taste. I'm terrified because they're about the size of the corn skulls. They are. And they're Jack Nicholson's like, eh, face from The Shining. It's and a his classic mouth is, axe through the bathroom door face. Here's Johnny. Yeah. yeah it's a, here's Johnny face. But his teeth look like they could bite if he started <laughs> to move. And I'm just nervous about an ankle situation. You know so. what I think it is? I think I figured well, out. It's the color of them. Oh, yes. they're just like white. And yes. just, I think if it was like the color of, 
you know, him, like a painted human, like, yes. that it like would, if it it would hit different. Yeah, that's true. You're right, because it's the hair is the same as the eyebrows, as the face, as the teeth, as the inside of the mouth. I'm looking so at it, it right now. Stop looking at it. I don't want to know it, because then I know it's there. It's, it's not bad good. enough when you're in your little cubby hole to, <laughs> for the sound, but the fact that I know it's there. Sometimes I'm just falling asleep at night, and I know it's there. <laughs> Not even over there. They were <laughs> a there? present from George, so. <laughs> okay, well, that makes them a little bit take more. take it up with George. Uh, no, I'm not, like I said, I'm not mad at them. I'm just scared. But knowing that they came from such a benevolent, wonderful person <laughs> as Tommy's dad, George Brown, I'm uh, I'm uh, a little bit uh, feeling better about it. A little bit now. better. But I did reveal to you that um, the uh, one night we were hanging out, I thought I saw something out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. So if you want to <laughs> yeah. hear that story yeah. and just watch the color drain from Heather's face. <laughs> then it's like check it's out twofold. Patreon. I was like, was I in danger? But also I could have seen it too. I, it was it. so fast okay. <laughs> and I I I don't think I really saw anything. I think it was just light and reflections. It, that can mm-hmm. be everything that I've experienced can be explained away. But it also was like really quick. And when I looked back, I didn't see anything. So that's why I was like, well, that's just going to freak her out if I say something. <laughs> so I'm just going to not say anything. If it was You're like, oh, it's there, I would have alerted you. Like, do you see this too? But it was so fast that I could Like so really- quick. Well, Adriana's roommate having seen toes go in a shoe that no foot is in is... <laughs> this flashlight thing is wild. They, uh, this worked. Good and I watched you. Ghost Hunters before. They're the ones that had like the Roto Rooter company, and they—that's what she like, said. Plumbers this by day. Plumbers go- by day. I don't. They which their- one are the Ghost Hunters? It's He's not. A- so what is what is Zach Bagans? Bagans is Ghost Adventures. Oh, the Ghost Hunters is, and they have a uh, Taps. The or, oh, the something Paranormal Society, yeah, Atlanta yeah, yeah. maybe or wherever they are. Oh, yes. is this where Chip Coffee comes in? Um, I don't know I think know Chip about Coffee that. and Taps were in cahoots. Like, they were friends. Do you Chip love Chip Coffee? Chip Coffee, if you don't know, is quite a character. and he, He's quite a character. He is a psychic medium that has also had Kin- many shows. Yeah, his show's Kindred Spirits. When I typed in Chip Coffee Ghost Hunters, nothing is coming up. But okay. that's not to say they did not have a, a crossover at some point. But yeah, the Grant Wilson is one of them from the Ghost Hunters. And then... Uh, that was the whole crew, and they came from Jason Hawes, the Atlantic okay. Paranormal Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, Taps. Atlantic. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but yes, they're, <laughs> that's a cool trick. It's a smart trick because it is, you know, only it's enough that if the entity wanted to zap it, I guess, is the idea that it would only require a little bit more of an electric mm. um, energy. pulse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, energy. But I mean, I'm glad the co- the ghost cop to it. That's all you could say is when it you asked the question. Shy. It was I like that it was like, yeah, I did it. Whatever. It was me. I imagine you're called to your friend's dorm room and they're like, everybody sit in a circle. We're going to turn the lights off and then I'm going to ask some questions. We'll see if, and then it happens. God, she said everybody jumped up and screamed. I wouldn't have, I would have transferred dorms and I'm (laughs) surprised that you both were like, yeah, we're just going to, we'll stay here the rest of the semester. I mean, sometimes <laughs> you don't have a choice. Getting right? a dorm room is hard. And getting a good roommate, even harder. So if you're like, hey, at least we both understand and respect this, you just got to leave some shoes out and I we're like golden. It. You have to share your stuff with your roommates sometimes anyway. So now you just share it with your roommate and also a ghost. And also so. a ghost. There you go. <laughs> it works it's out like every time. It's like your third roommate. 
Exactly. Well, thank you, Adriana. We appreciate it for sending that in. And yeah, if the ghost comes by, I have my Crocs all laid out so they can take their pick. <laughs> whichever one. The ghost would be like, oh, well, well, hello. There's a lot to choose from. <laughs> How am I feeling today? <laughs> just going to dance around like a tap show. Do I want to live moss? Am I feeling a little beachy? Do I want to go Jimmy Buffett style? A little ranchy, maybe? Am I, a little oh, portillos? Yes. Do I want a little Hidden Valley Ranch or maybe some pizza? Am I just feeling like I'm from Texas, y'all? Mm-hmm. These are all themed Crocs that Heather owns. And these are they just can... the themed ones. There's several yeah. just colors <laughs> that gibbets go on. That just yeah, crypt. We have the crocodids, which are the cryptid crocs. There's That's so right. many different Those ones. Those are great. So, oh, I bet the ghost would like that one. Yeah, for sure. And then if they do it, then I'll make a ghost gibbet of them and put it on there. They can get That's added to nice. the pantheon. Very nice. Well, yes. Thank you so much for uh, sending that in, Adriana. Sinisterhood. We'll be right back. Speaking of ghosts. We got some ghosts that Professor Greg Jackson is going to be talking about in this next story. He's bringing the ghosts and he's taking us back way, way back. Way, way back. back in time. To the old school. Professor Greg Jackson, if you don't know who he is, he's best known as the creator, host, and head writer of the U.S. history podcast, History That Doesn't Suck. We all went to school in one way or the other. Some of us liked history. Others myself included, don't remember much of it because our teachers didn't teach it in a way, you know, that was like fun and relatable and understandable. The professor does. That's right. <laughs> we keep calling him the professor. Full disclosure, he was like, you can call me Greg. But he's We're actually like, a little... no, we'd like to call you the professor. <laughs> I'm, I was like, I prefer the formalities. <laughs> um, but for real, he is actually a, a legitimate actual professor. Oh, he is. Absolutely. So, yes, yes. So... Uh, but we're very happy to have him on the show. Uh, there's nothing like, I mean, we all make little gaffes and snafus here and there, myself included, and I did it just directly in front of the professor. So you'll hear me trying to lean into that when I... To which I had to quietly correct you. And you I were was like, like, what was that? And um, I was like, oh, that's, no. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> It's fantastic. Keep an ear out for that, Jim. It's great. But he does come on and share us uh, a story about Gettysburg. And I'm excited because it's in the style of the History That Doesn't Suck podcast, which I had listened to a few of their episodes, you know, and just in general, get if I'm like, what did happen at that battle or what mm-hmm. did, like, I'm not going to remember stuff like that, even though I, I liked history. And I, I feel like the history teachers I had would get excited about it. But it's also just so much and so much date memorization. And, you know, you especially with standardized tests, I was like, Oh, I can't really bother with the story part, but it is so much richer when it is the story. So we're talking about Abe Lincoln and Gettysburg, not Abe Lincoln specifically, talking about Gettysburg. We do talk about Abe Lincoln Lincoln, quite a bit. Yes. Because Heather can't. hold herself back if Abe gets mentioned. <laughs> I never stop. But uh but also I really appreciated the professors cuz obviously he's coming at it from a academic perspective from uh researched. I mean his show is extremely researched oh, yes. and footnoted and fact-checked and site-checked and all that. And to come to us when we're like, you got new spooky ghost stories? But to say, like, their history kind of is a ghost, and we get into talking about the gravity of sacred places and how it's important that we don't just bulldoze and put a you know an apartment complex on something, but respect the what had happened there and maintain it for other generations to go and bear witness and spend time there. So I'm really glad we got to talk about the macabre, but through this academic lens with yeah. this with the professor. And like we say in this, 
there's nothing spookier or freakier than the crimes man commits against each other. Right, exactly. Humans are probably the scariest monster of all. Mm -hmm. And also, he's a hell of a lot of fun to talk to. I would imagine he's a fantastic professor and just a great storyteller. And just he's on tour right now, which we were both like, we want to go because it's oh, his show sounds incredible. It's like a hundred. I mean, it's going to be like a hundred minutes. He talks about it. It's wild. It's fantastic. So planning that that would take is so impressive. So he was a joy to talk to, and. His storytelling and writing was excellent. So I think that everyone's really going to enjoy this. And then go subscribe. Well, hello, everyone. Class is in session. (laughs) Today, we are joined with Professor Greg Jackson from History That Doesn't Suck. So at least we know class won't suck. Welcome, Professor. Thank you. Welcome, Professor. And can we call you just Professor throughout this now? (laughs) (laughs) Set that up. I mean, Greg is fine, but you are welcome to just (laughs) Professor Greg Jackson. (laughs) I want to call you the the Professor. The Professor. Yes, like Gilligan. Yeah. You're the Professor. (laughs) I'm definitely Gilligan. I'm super. Who, who can I be? You can be the skipper, Marianne. I'll be Marianne. Marianne, you're good, Marianne. Marianne. Is she the yeah. redhead? Uh, that's Ginger. You want to be Ginger? That is Ginger. I want to be Ginger. Oh, I think I'm Ginger, the redhead. Come on, that's true. It, you know, she the, was the like names, the... They, they're right there. That's yeah. true. That's right. Yeah, I was right there. <laughs> uh, but I definitely am Gilligan, just without the hat. Well, welcome, Professor. We're so glad to have you. Your podcast, History That Doesn't Suck, is the history class that I think we all wish we would have had yeah. when we were in school. It's stuff we wish we would have learned and didn't. But now now you're taking that uh, to the next level and getting it right in our ears. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you. Uh, that is exactly what I try to do with that podcast. So anytime I get that feedback from someone, you're just right in the heart in the best ways. <laughs> well, <Thank> good. <laughs> Absolutely. I was listening to your thing on Gettysburg. We're going to be in Pennsylvania soon, not quite near Gettysburg, but I'm a bit of a Lincoln fan. Yes. Heather has a huge Abe Lincoln tattoo. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> it's pretty huge. Wow. <laughs> well, it's like, <laughs> when you're it's in your, that big, I lived it's in, pretty big. in Illinois in my twenties and was like, I'm going to get a cool Abe Lincoln tattoo. <laughs> Uh, uh, overboard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, like all you- <laughs> cool people in Illinois do. They just, yeah. yeah, I hear there's yeah. abundance of Abe Lincoln You're just tattoos in Illinois. The streets yeah, of Chicago with your Abe Lincoln tattoo. The ignorant Texan that's like, how do I fit in with y'all? And they're like, get a huge Abe Lincoln tattoo. And I'm like, I'm on it, guys. I'm doing it. And here we are. So, <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm a big Abe Lincoln fan myself. Oh, so. there you go. There you go. Yes. I love it. How well, did you get into all of this and the podcast and everything? Man, into the podcast as opposed to history, because those are two or history things. first, and then yeah. I guess sure. that transitioned. I mean, the short version: uh, history is the one subject that I really just loved uh, as a kid. Uh, I was actually not really into school when I was a teenager, and history was the one subject I showed up to actually excited and enjoying. So I knew that if there was a way to make a career out of history. Yeah. That was me, but it. with theater arts, and look there, at me look now. Look at that! So. Nice. You you hear and me? Writing. You get it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you find what you love early on, and that kind of sticks with you. As you much know? as you get veered to another yeah. direction, you're like, I'm always going to come back to this. I'm always yeah. going to come back to yes. history. Mm-hmm. Yes. So don't ask me to do calculus. I'm worthless in <laughs> you know the hard sciences, but ah, the humanities, history. Uh, as for the podcast, uh, 2017, I'm a young professor going through the tenure you know, process and all that jazz. So it's a lot of article writing and going to conferences and all that jazz. I love that part of academia. It's important to write and interact with your your peers. But I really had a, a sense and a feeling that I wanted to engage more with the public. I, I feel 
my apologies to any academic listening, but we get a little ivory tower esque. That, that stereotype is fair, right? And uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at podcasts, and this is with nothing but love and respect from any of my colleagues in the history podcast space. But I'm looking at going like, why are there no professional mm-hmm. PhD holding historians doing this? So I was just dumb enough to think, you know what? Yeah, I'll just I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah, I'll step in. Hard relate. Hard. I was it's like, there true, should though. be a lawyer on this on these true crime podcasts, and I'm a lawyer, and I was like, I'll just start a podcast right now. And then, yeah, you realize it's not that easy. It does yeah, take it to the next suddenly... level, though, with your oh, knowledge. You. Like Heather's legal knowledge on our show, I feel like sets us apart, and you right. having an actual 100%. PhD in history is definitely gonna you you got a little more. You know, we take what you say a little more seriously than just some influencer that's like, did you guys hear about the Gettysburg address? <laughs> you know, it's one, two, three. Mockingbelly got that address. But, but for, and also just having more on the line, right? You have, you're a working professor. Mm-hmm. You can't be unethical. You have to, oh, you got a lot more at stake. 100%. My, I I, yeah. I, I've got administrators at my home university, Utah Valley University. Uh, you know, they listen to the podcast. I've got <laughs> colleagues across the nation. Uh, I mean, I mispronounce a word. Oh, I yeah. get a freaking email, you know. Yeah, so, same. Yeah, yeah Heather you know. once accidentally said Canadians use loonies, loonies instead of toonies, and, and I was off. And then I also listed all the planets once, and I was like confidently listing them, just completely omitted Neptune. But that wasn't because I'm stupid. It's because I don't recognize Neptune as a planet. And I will see to it that what? it is really does the planet. Now I just want to. Cover oh, up and make but you mistake, did include Pluto, which I did, which I do include. see. We're off the beaten path here, <laughs> but I hear you though. You're like one one miss up slip up with a, a word, and it's done. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, well, in, in addition to uh, your history stories that you're telling us, we love that you do a Halloween special once oh, a year, and thank you, you thank got a you. Freaky Friday story for us today. I do have a Freaky Friday story for oh, you. Well, we love it because we're going to hear it from you in the in the way that you normally tell your stories on your podcast. Yeah, I do. Yes. Uh, shall I go ahead and yes, launch please. it? All right. It's a hot, sweltering summer morning, July 3rd, 1863. The third and final day of the Battle of Gettysburg. We're behind Confederate lines, a little more than a mile west of the blood-soaked peach orchard where a cannonball mangled Union General Dan Sickles' now amputated right leg yesterday. We're standing on the bank of the Marsh Creek's gentle waters. Before us is a 100-foot-long covered bridge, Sachs-covered bridge, to be exact. It isn't but a decade old. The stone abutments are strong as ever, and the gable roof is picturesque, to say the least. That said, the recent war has taken its toll. The bridge's red paint is peeling from the clappered sidings. But there's no time to stand about admiring the aesthetics of this well-crafted crossing. Soldiers are approaching. A young boy keeps time with a snare drum as a small group of gray-clad, rifle-carrying soldiers and their few horse-mounted commanding officers, one puffing calmly on his pipe, slowly advance forward. Just in front of them are three men. They too are wearing Confederate gray, but no weapons of war rest in their hands. No, their hands are in fact bound with coarse, thick rope that wraps around their wrists. The three men walk with less discipline, but nonetheless at an obedient, if not resigned, pace. The dull thud of the soldiers' boots echo as they pass us by the entrance to the covered bridge. But the echoing boots, the lonely drum, and the clop of the horse hooves come to a sudden stop once the party reaches the crossing's midpoint. 
What said next? I can't say. An officer is reading a sentencing, yes, but the crime is unknown. Did these three men flee before the fight here at Gettysburg? Are they guilty of desertion? Have they been convicted of spying for the Union? These will be the most popular claims found in lore over the years, decades, and even centuries to come. But whatever their collective sin, the price they must pay is clear as the soldiers produce three long pieces of rope. With a hefty toss, each of the thick ropes fly into the air and over the beams that form the bridge's upper brace. Be it tied in advance or tied in this moment, one end of each of the three ropes now has the dreaded hangman's knot. Perhaps sacks are placed over the three sentenced men's heads. Then again, perhaps that is a luxury not to be had in the midst of a losing battle costing thousands of lives each day. Either way, the loop and its numerous accompanying coils are soon placed around each of the three necks, with the other end secured to the bridge's crisscross side race beams. The condemned are then placed on the officers' horses, and then the officers lead their steeds away, giving each of these three convicted Confederates a short drop and a sudden stop. A day or two passes. Perhaps it's the 4th of July, the national holiday of this embattled, divided country four score and seven years, since those 13 collaborating colonies rejected the British crown. Or perhaps it's July 5th. Whatever the exact time and day, Union General George Meade's victorious forces are now pursuing those of the silver-haired and silver-bearded Confederate General Robert E. Lee. And as they do so, some of them find their way to Marsh Creek, to Sacks Covered Bridge. Looking up, the blue uniformed Northerners find three gray-clad bodies stone cold, still dangling from the bridge's upper brace. Dressed in blue and gray, 50,000 Americans suffered grievous wounds, went missing, or were confirmed dead here at Gettysburg in the last three days. The dead are quite literally strewn across the once verdant fields of this formerly idyllic, small Pennsylvania town. But amid such anguish and death, perhaps these three Confederates are among the most disquieted of souls, knowing they met their end not honorably facing their foe executed by their own. A century and a half passes, taking us right to our modern day. Sacks Covered Bridge still spans Marsh Creek. With many a fresh coat, it's painted as red as the blood that so long ago stained these again calm and peaceful fields of Gettysburg. But while the swinging bodies have long since been removed, many a visitor, particularly those who come at night, have felt the presence of the three executed Confederates. Some have seen their ghosts. Some have proof, having captured otherworldly images with their cameras or phones that appear to have a human form. Some even swear they can smell the sweet smoke of Chesapeake tobacco, just as though the Confederate officer, possibly Robert E. Lee himself, were still there, standing right next to them on Sachs Covered Bridge. But is any of this true? Well, to find out about that, You'll just have to make your way to Gettysburg and visit the bridge on a dark, moonless night yourself. Oh, <laughs> you! This is Happy Fourth of July, everybody! <laughs> no joke. This is what I love about your show is that not only is it informative, but you write it like historical fiction. Like yes. Manhunt is one of my favorite books about the search for John yes. Wilkes Booth. 
phenomenally written. Mm -hmm. And that's just like the verbiage of your podcast and like your story, but it paints a picture. And even though it is three people being eating, meeting their end in a horrible way, like the short stop or like the, the way you describe it in a way that it's not too gruesome, but it's also history. And we need to know like people were injured here. Mm -hmm. The place is <laughs> the freakiest thing of all is what man will do to themselves. What, yes, what we really did to each Absolutely. other, and just to think about this beautiful green field that's now littered with the dead of mm -hmm. and and like brother, they say brother against brother and. Man, have you ever been to Gettysburg? I have been to Gettysburg. Yeah, tell me everything. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, so uh, let me go to Gettysburg, but I real quick before we do that, oh. let me just say, as the historian that I am, please, um, few few things that because it's a ghost story, I was willing to embrace a little more creativity than I would on my own podcast. Thank because you. this <laughs> is you're welcome. You're welcome. So uh, I have no source material for them sitting on horses. Yeah. Um, and how many people were there. So you, you may have noticed a lot of my perhaps and, yes. you know. I but, love that. But that's, that's like beautiful. That's how you let okay. people know, like, it's not fact, but this could have happened. Yeah, and like, we, and but the truth is we don't know all exactly. of those things, you know. Love it. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed that. But <laughs> no, again, just me, me, me. I have to yes, like. I love it. You're you know, like, it's, I've got to like, make sure they know that this be noticed. wasn't yes. Add a footnote. History. Add a footnote. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, you don't even want to know how many footnotes are on the scripts I write for my podcast. It's, uh, I have problems. But to Gettysburg, uh, uh, incredible. And, um, you know, it's it's hard not to feel a connection with the past and imagine mm -hmm. whether you're even into the supernatural or not. Just you can, you know. The energy you, you that feel comes it. from yes. Yeah. gravity. Yeah. Yes. Of just mm -hmm. knowing you're, you're looking at, as, as I kind of brought out in the way I wrote that story, Right, these gorgeous, peaceful, quiet, other than the tourists. And if you go at the right time of day, it's just a nature setting. It's mm -hmm. you can find a beautiful, quiet corner. And and there you are staying in front of a marker, you know, in the memory of you name it, unit, whether it be from the north, the south, uh, uh, uh and you know that scores of men died right there, right mm -hmm. where you're standing, that all the peace you're feeling is completely contradictory mm -hmm. to what this place was like, you know, in it's 1863, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Wow. It's fascinating too, to think of that in regards to time and just, you know, we talk a lot about time and how it's just such a complicated concept to understand and a, a construct that we've developed and like how much time really has passed, you know, but yeah. like, if you can still feel it, the energy remains because it can't be destroyed. Right. And when you're there, you're like, I'm actually standing in the place where all of this really did happen. Yeah. And that's the magic of history, right? It transports you back to mm -hmm. uh, whether it's World War One, World War Two, you know, any of that where we can't be there. But using all the materials and the research that you do, you can take us there with you. And it doesn't suck. Well, they did, it did <laughs> suck that like thousands of people died. Yeah, that does but suck the way yeah, that, you portray little, it, sure. it's nice to hear you talk about it's it. It's not the content, it's the delivery. <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> Some stuff does suck. Like, I said that that happened. But when you yeah. were there, did you get any? I don't know. You're, you sounds like you're more pragmatic and less into the spooky woo-woo. But when you were there, did <laughs> yeah. you have any feeling? Or was it more of a feeling of solemnity and gravity and that graciousness of like being there? Uh, probably more the latter. Uh, I am a pretty pragmatic and, you know, well, academic type, yeah. but uh, I am you know, too. I, I, I'm hey. the skeptic on this show, so but I relate to this. That that said, you know, I'm drinking out of my uh, haunted uh, mansion mug. Oh, and, nice. uh, I mean, I, uh, that's one of my favorite, you know, 
happy places as a kid growing up in Southern yeah. California. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love Halloween. There's a reason I've got the Halloween special in yeah. there. So, I mean, pragmatic as I am, I'm, you know, I, I could also freak myself out watching Same. a scary movie as yeah. I'll do by myself in the dark because I'm twisted yeah. like that. So, so I, I very much enjoy it. And, and it's a very thin line. I think even for many very rational people, because mm-hmm. we, we are designed, we, we're built to feel emotions, to connect. And that does transcend generations. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, there, there's a magic there regardless of, uh, even for those who are like, oh, I don't believe in, no, well in any said. of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as Gettysburg, we know that's one of the most famous places that in the paranormal world, people talk about, oh, it's haunted. And oh, yeah. there's all these, the barracks, anything around there, there's been images taken, anything like mm-hmm. that. Have there been any other historical places you've visited or you've talked about on your show that kind of have that? rumor about it and that you were able to go and go like, I understand the energy here. It might not be ghosts, but it's, it, 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 it's the ghosts of history. Um, of history. You got to write that book. <laughs> <laughs> Professor, it's on you. I love it. I love it. That's, that'll be the retirement project. That mixes my fun side with my academia. Exactly. It'll, be, it'll be wonderful. We'll, we'll pre-order it now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, being out in the West, um, I, I'm just a few hours drive from Promontory Point where the Transcontinental Railroad came together. Mm. And uh, that's kind of sacred ground to me as well. Uh, It's a great achievement. But another thing that's going through my head, even if it's not right in that very location, when I'm standing there, I'm thinking about all the countless Irish and Chinese workers. And in Utah, even there were several thousand Mormon workers that that were employed at the last minute. Um, And I mean, it's sad that there is an Irishman buried under every rail of the of the mm. transcontinental railroad. That's, of course, an exaggeration, yeah. uh, as my Irish ancestors have uh, said. Uh, <laughs> never let the truth get in the way of a good story. So, you know, we'll I heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which, of course, I guess I do. That's the whole history thing. But, uh, but you know, just even if that's hyperbolic, thinking about you know the the deadly sacrifice to make that happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the pony express route here as well, uh, has a little bit of that vibe to it. Not that there were so many deaths, but just when you see these structures, and this is, I guess if I could connect back to Gaysburg one second, or yeah. even the transcontinental railroad, uh, national park services protects a lot of these locations. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know everyone thinks their thing is super important. Uh, so I'll caveat <laughs> it, but Oh my goodness, I'm so grateful for the NPS. Yeah. Um, and, uh, preserving it so that we can go these places and it's mm-hmm. still in as much as it's possible, right? It looks like it did preserved. when, yes, when that moment mm-hmm. happened, it's been preserved. Um, fantastic, uh, guides as well. Uh, if I may, my, my buddy, Ralph, he's, uh, he's a licensed, uh, battlefield guide at Gettysburg. Oh, nice. Uh, so That's cool. Uh, I'll just shout him out. I of course gave him a call be- before I came on because <laughs> I know Ralph. Gettysburg. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And hi, Ralph. But the man lives, eats, breathes, dies for Gettysburg, right? Wow. So, uh, so the type that's out every weekend doing reenactments oh, and things oh, like weekend? that. <laughs> you Just think this is day? a weekend thing? <laughs> Seven yeah. days Does he live at Gettysburg? <laughs> he li- uh, yeah, he, he was on the East Coast. He has moved to Gettysburg. Wow. And those are the types of people you have, yeah. these licensed battlefield guides. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, I'm a professor, PhD, all that. You guys know that. I am more than glad to humbly submit as as the student when i go to nps sites because mm-hmm. these people have given their lives to this one location 
Yeah. Yeah. You national know, parks workers are valuable mm-hmm. because yes. it's that depth of knowledge in a very narrow thing that yeah. we have to have that because we all do want to wander into this place and do so respectfully yeah. and having mm-hmm. that guide there. Is and so to valuable. pass that information down because if it doesn't, then it's at gone. some point, everyone that knows about it themselves is gone. Right. So, you know, to, to pass all that down. So it's not lost and preserve it. And so they don't respect it, mm-hmm. pave over it. And exactly yep. respect it. They pave it over and you know turn it to a Kmart or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, this is where the Pony Express came. I kind of <laughs> wanted to learn about history. It's fine. No worries. I'll just, but that is, it's tough for us. I think in Dallas, because yeah. it is a younger city, Texas yeah. is a younger country. And also just even a state. Well, well, I'm sorry. We like to think that we're okay. <laughs> that came out. That was the emails are coming. No, that was the emails are coming. Oh, comically Texan, like to a caricature amount. So it's fine. We're our own country. Uh, the way that it slipped out so easily. Yeah, I, I didn't like, even. You think. didn't. Even, you wouldn't have stopped at. I would not, not have stopped. And Christy was like, "I'm oh, actually." See, but no, she's she's all. You're always on. You got that ear. You got I, that yeah. professor ear. But I think That's it's right. hard for us as you know the developers here tend to come and tear down history oh, yeah. and build condos Everything on it. It's just, I mean, even bulldozed. like homes from 20 years ago get bulldozed <laughs> for, you know, the newest, biggest thing to come up. So yeah. other than JFK, we and don't like, have a right. lot that we've like preserved around here. If it's not preserved by like the state parks department or the mm-hmm. national park service, it's like it will get run down. And you do see, I think there's now more and maybe podcasts like yours really help that where we, Listen to history, not just, oh, yeah, wah, 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 because you got to get a grade for it, but like diving <laughs> into it as a story and mm-hmm. being interested and being acknowledge what we've done so that we're not doomed to repeat it in the future. Mm-hmm. We'll maybe be like, hey, wait, let's not just burn everything down and start over all the time <laughs> and just pretend it never happened. You yeah. know what? One of the one of the, the many rewarding things I get interacting with fans uh, is. Uh, are, are those emails where they say, I never even realized this is 15 minutes from my house. And mm-hmm. I just listened to this episode on, you know, fill in the blank, wh- wherever it is. Um, like the, the Brooklyn bridge, for instance, I did a whole episode oh, yeah. on, on that. And yeah, there are, I've heard from a few New Yorkers like, Oh my gosh, I just always saw that as like that old bridge that's there. I had no right? idea the blood, sweat, tears, and death involved yes. in, and what a scientific marvel it was to right. even, forward this incredible you know it makes you view your your city or your country <laughs> or your, Hell yeah. in a different way you know and now when those people drive over that bridge uh-huh. they have a new yeah. appreciation for it yeah. and again when you go to like oh let's tear this down it's like no this no. is an engineering yeah. marvel and we need to yeah, restore it respect it and, and the more need- people know the more mm-hmm. people will fight to like prevent that from Care. happening yeah so you know Get- gettysburg uh was owned uh i mean you know we were planning to talk about this so forgive me for being a little vague nope. but uh, a part of what is now the battlefield is owned at some point by a electric rail company and they plan to run lines through that mm. uh and it, the government uh stepped in oh I think good they might have even invoked eminent domain in that situation wow and they're like uh we're gonna preserve this this is this is hallowed ground. Sh- yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's one thing for industry. We want it to be a prosperous yeah. I mean, nation. It, it, yeah, but you can't rail- crucial. But, but you can't literally railroad history. And it's like, and then if that, <laughs> if that happens, then what is left? If we don't yeah. have the National Park Service, if we don't have mm-hmm. a government that gives a shit about something like that, then you are just a big ass concrete jungle. And it's like, when was everything built? Oh, it doesn't matter because it's just concrete that gets poured. We'll just poured redo it, it in a few years. Yeah, yeah, I think that you help ascribe meaning to these mm-hmm. sacred sites that where it you. is a large amount of loss, whether it's Gettysburg or any any number of uh, the locations you've talked about. So, yeah. yeah. So thank you for thank your service. Thank you for what you do. <laughs> and I know you like to 
interact with fans. Are you going to be interacting with some fans anytime soon? Maybe not from uh, Utah, but on uh, the road? <laughs> yes, in fact. Um, I am about to kick off a national tour. So, That's so exciting. Yes. Uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, we start in August in Loveland, Colorado, and we'll be going monthly to a different state from uh, from then through April, at least, uh, of next year. Uh, more dates are being added. So, uh, geez, California. Uh, we're heading to Pennsylvania, not too hey. far from Gettysburg. Um, Arizona's in there. But you can look up all, all the dates and locations and more that will be added uh, on my website, htdspodcast.com. Just look for the tour tab and there That's you go. awesome. Nice. Are you going to do a, a city or state specific topic at each location? So I actually took a year to write a wow. one man stage show. Uh, this is amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. That's <laughs> such a feat. You're yes. Amazing. Thank That's you. an accomplishment. Uh, think of it as like uh, an extremely long podcast uh, episode. A <laughs> uh, hundred minutes is the runtime. So it's wow. two acts. Uh hundred years of U.S. history in a hundred minutes. I go That's from the amazing. revolution through the Civil War. Of course, Gettysburg gets a little mention in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I do my thing where I go in deep for a story and then we, we move quickly and I think go deep again so that, yeah, we're covering a lot of space and time, but we're, we're also, you know, uh, connecting with historical yeah. figures. And okay. the, the title of this show specifically is The Unlikely Union. The story is the union coming together and the struggles it, you know, that didn't just snap together. The founding fathers didn't just all agree and happily, yeah. you know, do their thing, but it was a fight to come together. It was a fight to stay together and taking us through the paces on that very meaningful struggle that has it. built the United States. This sounds one. Are you coming to Texas? Yeah, when are you coming to Dallas? <laughs> so, <laughs> Dallas isn't on the bookshelf, but I Austin? promise you. <laughs> I, I specifically asked Boston to get added. So okay, we're, awesome. We're we will on that be one. there. That sounds oh, incredible. And awesome. uh, yeah, what a interesting, fun like night. Yeah, that you get something out of it. It's like you're being again. It's just the same call to your podcast is like entertaining, but also you now know something a little bit more than you didn't know before, and Absolutely. you're not like you're a gonna lot, like. I will know a lot more, like probably ninety <laughs> percent more than I. Already I just know. meant like for me, like retention wise, like I'm like I listen to a full hour of this. I'll tell you three facts I learned because <laughs> it's so your every word is meaningful in your podcast. Like you don't waste words or mince words, and mm -hmm. so it's like like I can't even take all this in. It's like a, you know in the Matrix when they plug the thing into your brain, but for real, like you, you know you, you. get some out of it. That. It's a great night. So yeah, so yeah, we're sending everybody to your website htdspodcast.com. Is that where they yep. can find you if they want more? Yeah, and of course anything else they're interested in, and from the podcast to you know the other things that are coming. So. Yeah, and on socials, are you at htps htds podcast on Twitter? Uh, Instagram, I think we didn't get that yeah. consistent, but we're on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> we'll and Twitter. You. Yeah, yeah we'll tag you. it'll be great. <laughs> we'll tag you. Well, thank you, Professor. You, it's yeah. up to you to tell us that uh, class is adjourned. I oh, think. yes. So, well, yes, cla <laughs> thanks for being with us. <laughs> class is adjourned, and thanks for letting me tell a story. Thank Absolutely. you for joining us. This was great. A plus. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No curve. No curve. Oh, no, I'm truly complimented. <laughs> Well, thank you so much to Professor Jackson of History That Doesn't Suck for joining us. And thanks to all of you for sending in your Freaky Friday stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, 
or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being. Send them in at SinisterHood.com slash Freaky Friday. If you like our free episodes, you'll love our Patreon bonus content. You can see that reveal of me telling Heather about what was going on in the backyard. Oh, yeah. You can join awful. for free to see what we're up to next, or you can dive into over 500 hours of bonus content, like our recent mini-sode on the use of Siri in the courtroom, or our upcoming mini-sode on the deadly true story behind a viral internet trend. You can also head to SinisterHood.com and click shop on the top banner to check out SinisterHood merch like t-shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, and even clothes for your kiddos. Just head to the website and hit shop on the top banner. You can also, while you're there, review the show, follow us on socials, and check out the episode description for more fun like topic-based playlists and links to live show tickets. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on YouTube. You can watch the entire interview with Professor Jackson um, on our YouTube page, as well as video versions of all of our other interviews that we've done on Freaky Friday. And just listen to the show on there. Head over to our TikTok as well. You can also find us on Cameo if you want us to do custom video shoutouts. We can say happy birthday, happy anniversary, congratulations, whatever. Go to Cameo.com and let us deliver your message. It's one of our favorite things to do. They're always Christy. so fun and really go to the TikTok because Paris <laughs> is doing some great things and they're funny. It's fun whenever we on on the air joke about making a, a hologram of a president and then Paris takes a clip and is like, here's a hologram of a president. And we're like, <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we were just riffing, but thanks for making it real. Uh, well, where can people go on to see your videos and pics, Christy? Oh, uh, you can see all the John Hopper content you wanted to add, uh, <laughs> on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. And then I I guess we're done plugging Twitter. Everybody's, yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody's done with that. Nobody wants to even mess <laughs> with that anymore. So forget it. And then TikTok is Christy or GTFO. Um, I'm on everything at Heather versus the world, pretty much. TikTok, Instagram, threads, whatevs. I'll be there. Oh, threads, whatevs. That's what they should <laughs> That's start what saying. we say now. It's like pretty cool. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I need to check it out. I got to go to threads. Got to get on it. And then it's like a uh, nicer, I'll tell you what that is. I feel like it's like a nicer, more wheels off th- Twitter. Like it's wacky in a fun, nice way and not okay, um, like Tumblr. a hateful way. Yeah, it's sort of like shorter versions of Tumblr, but okay. also, yeah, like the, but your, your parents might be on there too. It's kind of wholesome. I don't know. I just feel like it's not, a, it's been relatively inclusive and inoffensive so far. So I'm hoping it stays that way. Let's hope. Well, as always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sinister Hood.